Hi, I'm Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing that I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 102. Well, hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to the Healing Catalyst podcast. Now I have to start by saying thank you to all of you. You all have been sending me so many messages of love and support, telling me how much you loved episode 100 of the podcast a few weeks ago, in which I shared five lessons that cancer has taught me this past year. In case you haven't heard that episode, it's linked in the show notes for you. You know, it was a really special episode for me. And I'm so, so happy that it was helpful to all of you. And so I also have a request of all of you. If you've found this podcast helpful and you haven't already left a review, would you take just a minute to leave a five-star review with a few words about how the podcast has helped you? Your reviews are the most important thing that will help this podcast grow and reach more people who need this information, which is my mission in doing this podcast every week to help more people. There's a link in the show notes. So please pause this episode right now and go click on the link to leave a review. I would be so incredibly grateful to all of you. Okay. So back to our episode today, which was actually inspired by all of your messages to me. Today, I'm answering all of your questions about my healing journey with breast cancer in this Ask Me Anything episode as we continue with our intention for October, cancer and our health. Today, I'm joined by Ruth Hinkle, my director of content, who is asking me all of the questions that you've been sending in, as well as all of the questions from everyone who works with me on my team. In our conversation, Ruth and I discuss how I reconciled the internal conflict that I had when I was deciding how to integrate various healing modalities with Western medical treatments as well as the mentors and colleagues who really supported me through my breast cancer healing journey. We also dive into the Ayurvedic practices that I did and the resources and products that I found to be supportive of not only my physical health, but also my mental health and my spiritual well-being. I really hope that you enjoy this Ask Me Anything episode about my cancer journey this past year as we continue our exploration of cancer and our health. Avanti, I am so excited to have this conversation with you today because we are going to talk about your journey this year and how you have navigated this medical diagnosis along with your own knowledge about Ayurveda, your own feelings, all of the things that come with a significant journey like this, a a significant moment in your life. And I think the listeners are really going to like this one. We, your team, the people you work with compiled these questions. These are the things we're curious about. Some of them are questions we've seen people ask over the past several months on social media, in email inboxes. You know, I check the emails and get to see sort of what people are hungry to know. And also just the amount of love that people have for you. You know, I know you have received those messages. We don't always reply to each one individually, but 
you know, if you're somebody who has sent in a message, please know that, that Avanti mm-hmm. has seen them all yeah. this year. So I'm excited to jump into this conversation with you. I am too. I'm a little nervous because I'm not sure what the questions <laughs> are, but I'm going to try and be as, you know, open and honest as I can, which is what I am always. But I know this is a charged topic for me. It's it's hard to open up in a way that I do probably with each of you on my team personally, when we're texting or when we have meetings and you guys are updating me as you have for the past seven months, because I've really stepped away from a lot of the day-to-day and actually put a lot of things on hold. So I think it'll be really interesting. And, you know, to your point about all of the messages people have sent to me, you know, I know I've said this before on other episodes, but I don't even know how to put into words really the gratitude I have to all of you that you spent the time, took a few minutes to send an email or a DM or, you know, leaving a voice message, all of these things just to tell me um, how you feel about my work, how it's impacted you, or just give me some love. And I, I have to tell you, it's been an incredible experience. It's been something incredible to experience because I think it's given me the drive to keep going, to, you know, to record the podcast episodes when I, you know, am five days past a chemo cycle. You know, there were days when I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And I just got up and did it because I was getting these messages from all of you. So thank you for that. So anyway, that was a long way of saying, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> no, I think that's great. And actually, I will circle back around to some of that about, you know, why you you decided to keep doing the podcast and sort of those decisions. But let's start, let's sort of like zoom out from that, start bigger picture and talk about sort of, I think maybe the most obvious question, which is that you are both a Western trained physician, you're an ER physician, you're an Ayurvedic practitioner, you have been practicing Ayurveda throughout your life. Did those two selves come into conflict in in this whole process? And what did that look like? How did you navigate that? The short answer is yes, <laughs> very, very much. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I will tell you that the first few weeks after I received this diagnosis back in February, early March, I was sort of like in a crisis. I was like curled up on the floor, not knowing what to do. Um, mostly because of the, you know, sort of the heaviness of a diagnosis like that. I think that's a normal response. But the added piece for me was really this conflict I was having inside about the fact that I am Western trained, but I have for the past 20 years now been doing integrated medicine, you know, Ayurveda, yoga therapy. And how do those two worlds really come together for me personally? It's one thing to tell other people, to counsel other people, to teach other people about how to integrate it. Mm. It's a very different thing when it comes to personal choices, especially with a diagnosis like cancer, different than other diagnoses, right? Things that are chronic illnesses that you can, you know, slowly work on. I think it's a little easier for me in my head to say, okay, I can, I can take medication and integrate it with, you know, meditation and yoga and all these different things. Right. But a diagnosis like cancer that can quite literally kill you depending on what stage it is. And, you know, I was, I was stage two, three. So I was in the middle there, you know, 
I wasn't exactly of early detection. I was sort of in the middle. I was really lucky that I found it when I did. And it was a stage three because it had gone to a lymph node, which meant that it could be metastasizing very easily and very quickly. And so I had to take all of that into consideration. And I will tell you, I had, I mean, and my family can tell you, my friends, my colleagues, people who are integrative medicine docs in all like all over the country, all over the world. I had a lot of conversations because I had to really work through sort of this conflict I had inside of going to Western medicine and probably choosing chemotherapy, surgery, radiation, even though I didn't want to do any of them. I mean, who wants to do any of that stuff? It was a real conflict for me of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this, you know? And I knew logically in my head somewhere that, you know, using just food as medicine, using just the supplements, using just the meditation and the yoga and all these things would not be enough in this case. Like I had to rely on Western medicine. And that was a really, really hard thing for me to come to terms with. The just, like it's not... That makes so mm-hmm. much sense. Yeah. It was like, you know, it's not going to be enough. And that was a hard thing to sort of take in. So yeah, I was really in conflict a lot in my mind, in my heart. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's all I can say. It was super, super conflicted. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I mean, I think what you said about you know, with something like a chronic illness or something that's ongoing, that's not something that's not easily solved or maybe ever going to be solved anyway. Like that's, you know, that is now part of what your life is going to be, that there are these adjustments that you can make. And because Ayurveda is so much about routines, right? And these daily habits and health, health supporting habits, right? Is the language you use. It makes complete sense that like, that feels like an easier way to integrate those ideas and principles. But when you have something so sort of like acute, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> immediate, yeah. like cancer that needs to be addressed quickly to be effective, that there is a timeline on your ability to treat that. And so, yeah, you can't sort of spend that time saying, okay, well, let me change my diet right now. It's like, a, that's not going to act fast enough for us to you know, help you in this situation. So I imagine that was difficult. Yeah. And I think you bring up a really good point, Ruth, is that, you know, Ayurveda, all of these ancient healing systems, these integrative systems of healing, right? They take time. I've always said that on this podcast and in my work, you know, this is not a quick fix drive through type of thing, right? This is a lifestyle. This is small changes over time, consistent changes in habits, right? That is what this is about. This is about always trying to, you know, come closer to balance. And while that's important in something like a diagnosis of cancer, what you said about it being a very acute issue and something that has a very, very quick timeline in which you have the opportunity to really, really make a difference for your health and stop that cancer, it's a different ballgame. It's like, you know, what I always say, like having uh, been trained in emergency medicine, if I get, you know, in an accident, I, I'm going to the emergency room. I'm not worried about you know, my diet and meditation and all these tools that I do right. yes. in that acute time, I'm, I'm going to the emergency room, right? And so I think you're saying is, is ringing so true, I hadn't thought about it that way, is that, you know, cancer in this, in this case for me was a very acute thing. And I had to figure out how I was going to bring the two worlds together. But it brought up a lot of, a lot of anxiety and stress and 
conflicted feelings. At times, I also felt like I might be, be viewed as a fraud in a way, like in the sense of like, oh yeah, she talks about all of these, you know, practices that you should be doing daily and using food as medicine. And now there she is, she's going and using, you know, Western medicine. I, I really had to sit with that. <laughs> Uncomfortable feeling. Yeah, that's tough. That's a tough space too, because, you know, there are sort of it seems to me in sort of the wellness world, there's this space where it can be a complete rejection of Western medicine or often, you know, the flip side, it's Western medicine to the rejection of any anything else, anything holistic or alternative. And, you know, one of the things I've appreciated about working with you is that you do bridge this this space between to say there's value in both of these spaces. Where where can we bring them together? And so that, I mean, wow. Yeah. That, that's what you did in practice. That's what this has been for you is that process of alignment. So I'm curious, you know, who you mentioned that you talked to people that you really wrestled with that. Who did you go to? Who, you know, who did you look to for support and advice in that moment when you felt these two selves in conflict? Well, it's really interesting. First of all, obviously my family, my husband, Kanwar, my son, Zane, who many of you have heard on this podcast, and he's like a wise old soul and also a therapist. So he was definitely, you know, practicing his clinical skills on his mom and he did a great job. Um, my daughter, Isha, who is wise beyond her years and used a lot of laughter and humor to help me through it. My sister, Anjali, who I still have to get on this podcast, but she also used a lot of humor and a lot of just practicality. And also just managing, you know, a very large family and network of friends and like helping me with that. But I will say that I really did lean on a lot of people who were in my life already, my friends that I've, you know, considered mentors for a long time. People like Ben Meets Sethi, who's an integrative doc out in Seattle. You guys have heard her on the podcast a few times. She is wise beyond her years. And I will tell you uh, the conversations I've had with her have been invaluable to me because she lives in this world. She understands the whole conflict of bridging these two worlds. And she really, really helped me sort through a lot of feelings. I mean, I was on the phone for hours with her at times and texting and, and all that. So she was just like an angel for me, really. Thinmeath was, was um, invaluable in that way to me not just as a friend and a sister, like truly to me and, you know, so much part of my soul, but as a mentor and as a colleague and someone who could look at it objectively as well. And then I had, you know, crew of really, really close friends. And it was really interesting because some of the friends who ended up being with me all the time, like one of my friends, Ami Gupta, Ami Patel Gupta, one of my closest friends from college, you know, we've been in and out of touch. And in the past few years, when I moved back downtown and our kids are about the same age, they all went off to college, we had more time to be with each other. And she just showed up. She just came over and she said, what can I help you with? And she came to every chemotherapy appointment with me, every single one, all well, she came to seven out of eight, almost all of them. And the one that she missed was because she had to take her daughter to college, you know. Yeah, that's big too. <laughs> you know, friends from college, you know, friends from all parts of my life showed up in different ways. And a lot of them helped me through this because, you know, I was really honest and open with them. And I said, 
I'm having trouble figuring out how to how to sort of reconcile this within myself because of the work that I do. And so many of them yeah. were just so helpful in telling me, reassuring me that, you know, you're not a fraud, Avanti. You're the real deal. You're actually teaching us. You're showing us how you can do this, how you can walk both of these paths in, in an aligned way. So long answer to your question. <laughs> I think that's great because it is, you know, you in this space on the podcast, you come in as, you know, an expert, right? In a lot of senses, you have this background, unlike many people who, who come from sort of this wellness world, you do have expertise in Western medicine. You know, you're not, you're not making things up. You have you know, my husband, listeners, you don't know this. My husband is a physician. I, we've been together throughout his medical education. It's a lot, you know, they learn a lot. They go through a lot of schooling to get to that point. So it's great, I think, to hear from me as someone who isn't an expert in these topics, that you are looking to other people, that you are getting help and support. And I think that's a lesson we can all take. Like, you know, I work often as a writer, but I'm inspired by other writers. I'm inspired by other creatives and I lean on them right? To, to find my way. And, you know, friends are just such an amazing resource. So I'm so glad to hear even some of those specific names about who got to be there with you, who showed up in your life. Uh, because yeah, I mean, we, we need that, you know, you and I talk about that a lot, the importance of community and relationship and how life giving yeah, those are. Yeah. I know that I couldn't have done this without those friends and mentors and colleagues. And, uh, I think it would have been a lot harder path. It would have been a very lonely path, but I've gotten through it, of course. But I don't know that I would have healed as much along the way in all the ways that I needed to heal and that I'm continuing continuing to heal beyond, you know, having the cancer cells removed from my body through chemotherapy and, you know, surgery and radiation. There are so many other things that are part of this story for me. Uh, I know that. And those are the things that I've been healing by being in community, by reaching out to people for help, asking them for help. And, you know, the thing that I really have seen also is that, and, you know, again, you teach what you need to learn, right? I say this to people all the time when I'm counseling them or teaching them, but I really, really saw how when I asked for help from others, they were so incredibly happy to be able to help me. Like it was so many of them told me that. Like, you don't understand. I am so happy that you're asking me to make you a meal, that you're asking me to come with come with you to your chemotherapy appointment. You know, I mean, literally, Ami has told me that, you know, then Meath told me that, my husband, my kids, like everybody, you told me that, you know, with with work things like Avanti, you know, I asked and you said, I'll take care of it. Yeah. That was a big lesson. Yeah. I want to underline that just, I think with you personally and, you know, for the listeners too, that what I've observed, and I'm really only seeing sort of the work part of this. I mean, you and I text a lot. I know, I know Kanwar actually is how I met you. And, you know, and I know, I know Zane, I don't know Isha very well, but, you know, I have really watched you not only ask for help, which is difficult. I find asking for help very difficult also, but then to to not only ask for it, but then to also let the help arrive and move and make decisions and take things off of your plate. And that is another another level of, of beyond sort of receipt, 
you know, asking for that support, but to really receive it and to take it in, you know, just from where I've been sitting, I have watched you do that over the course of these months. And I, I find it really inspiring and partially because it is also something I struggle with, you know, it's a place where I relate to you. I would love, I would love to hear a little bit more. I mean, we're touching on this, but I'd love to hear more about these ways that you have been healing beyond healing the cancer. You were talking about relationship community. What are some of those other aspects that you've been healing in the course of this? Hmm. This is going to make me tear. I got to take a minute to answer this question because I know what I want to say. Yeah. Take your time. I know what I want to say and hesitating Hmm. to say it. Um, I healed the deep loneliness that I've felt most of my life. Um, And not because I didn't have people around me that loved me and they care about me and want to support me. But I think it's a human emotion, you know, because of just things that happened to me when I was a kid and my experience of life. Up until this point, I have struggled with feeling deep, deep loneliness. And I think that that is something that has really been healing, that I have been healing through this journey this past seven months, because I've learned that I'm not alone. Uh, And it's hard to, I don't know, it's hard to sort of put this into words, but I think, you know, I was always friends with people. I always, you know, I'm a quieter person. I observe a lot. I I hold space for people. Actually, I was was talking about this with my husband actually just the other day. Um, One of my best friends from college, Shalini, came into town and my friend Ami, we all went to college. And so we spent a lot of time together this this past weekend recording this in September, a few weeks before all of you will hear this, but they were in town and it was really interesting because I was holding space for each of them as I always have ever since we were in college. And I've them said mm. to me, Avanti, I always can talk to you. Like ever since we were in college and are, you know, 19 years old when we first met our freshman year of college, you've always been able to hold space for people. And I remember thinking in my head, yeah, and this is something you need to learn. You need to learn to let other people hold space for you. And so it was really interesting, you know, in a following conversation, because we were talking pretty much all weekend nonstop. I think I talked more this weekend than I have in months because I don't know what, just with my friends. <laughs> and um, the next day we were at a coffee shop and I just shared and I allowed my friend Shalini to hold space for me. And she felt so good. And in that moment, as I was doing that, I was like, oh, this is the salve for the loneliness that I felt. This is the medicine. So it's not just connecting with people because I'm connected to so many people, but it was me sharing so openly with a friend and allowing her to hold space for me in the same way that I hold space for other people. And it wasn't with a therapist. I have a therapist, you know, all those things, but um, it, yeah. So I would say uh, that deep sense of loneliness has been one of the biggest things that I've really been healing throughout this journey. And I can feel the ripple effects of that into so many other things, whether it's anxiety or um, feeling not good enough, you know, all the feelings that everyone feels, you know, my perfectionism, things that I've really worked hard to, you know, show to the world that I've got Mm. all under control. Um, Yeah, I feel like I just am more myself. I don't know. 
That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I know that's such a like a tender heart piece to share. And I think it's true, right? That for people who who tend to be the supporters, tend to be the caretakers, to have that level of trust and not only in other people, but also in yourself that it, that you are safe enough, right? To give that and to share that and to receive that support from other people. I mean, listeners, there is a like nearly hundred member WhatsApp <laughs> group of people who are getting updates on Avanti's journey and just to just to be witness to the messages that come through there. And those aren't necessarily, you know, not every person in that group is somebody who's talking to you all the time you know, or that you're in constant conversation with, but to see you receiving that outpouring of love. And I know sometimes we've caught up right after you've read a bunch of them, you know, that's really powerful. And those things do really matter. And I'm resonating. And this is where we are so alike. I, you know, also tend to be that person who holds space and struggles to let others hold space for me. And when I have found those moments, they are, they're deeply powerful and they, I really remember them. You know, they sit with me and they're moments that I I lean on later when I'm struggling, just even if I'm not able to access that in that moment, that I have a memory of being in that space mm-hmm. with someone. It's yeah. really beautiful. Yeah. It's it's been a pretty profound experience to have. Yeah. Wow. I almost like I don't want to pivot away from that <laughs> space, but I have more questions That's to okay. ask you. I'm sure so. we'll come back to it. <laughs> I, I, I'll gently lead us in another direction, but actually touches on something you mentioned, which is that sense of perfectionism and anxiety. And um, one of the questions I really wanted to ask you is why, you know, what was going on for you that you decided to continue doing the podcast? You know, we haven't done as many episodes this year as maybe we have in the past, a lower frequency, and we've flexed and flowed with your treatments and what's going on. But, you know, you and I months ago had a conversation about, okay, like, are, are you doing this? Do you need to do this? What does that look like? So I'd love to, to hear from you now, you know, why you have continued this. Cause your, your audience certainly would have understood if you disappeared for. Yeah. For and while, I did. Right? For, I mean, we didn't release anything in August. I was too tired. Yeah. Or July, whatever it was. <laughs> I don't even remember anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it, it's a good question. And I think it actually, is more related to everything in life, right? I, when I got this diagnosis in February, March, my first instinct was to be like, oh, screw it, F it. I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. You know, part of that was feeling like a fraud of like having this friction of like, oh, well, this is the work I'm doing and it doesn't even matter anyway, right? I felt a real, real feeling of that. And of course, after I sat with it a little bit, and again, talked to some of my friends and my family and, and considered. What I did was I sat with myself and I asked myself, if you didn't have to worry about anything and if anything you did was a success, what would you do? Or, you know, sort of, I even went through everything I was doing in my life, in all aspects of my life even relationships, even responsibilities, whether it was, you know, to family members or home, my work projects, all of these things. And I sort of asked myself, do I want to do that anymore? Do I want to change it? Do I want to get rid of it? And this is something I talked about on my solo episode a few weeks ago, linked in the show notes if you haven't heard it, um, was really tapping into this idea. I think I've shared it before on the podcast probably a year ago or on some 
episodes. But this idea of when you're making decisions that sometimes you can't just rely on your head, on your mind, because it can go all over the place. It'll justify all the things. And instead, what I did was I'd ask myself the question, do I want to cons- do I want to continue the podcast? And then I would wait to see how it felt in my body. Did it feel more expansive to say yes? Or did it feel constricted? Right? Did my body feel like it was expanding, like, oh, that's like giving me life? Or did it feel like, oh no, that feels like just too much? Right. And so that's kind of what I did. And that was really how I decided that I wanted to do the podcast. And then I asked myself more questions about it to make sure to kind of pressure test it, right? Like, well, is it, you know, you just doing solo episodes? And that felt really constricted. I was like, there's no way I can do that, right? I don't know how I'd do that. That just feels like too much on me. And then, you know, maybe we can mix it up with some, you know, interviews and maybe we don't have to be so stringent to a weekly schedule and just let's flow and explain it to my listeners and see what happens. And that felt really expansive. And so that's kind of how I came to the decision. And, you know, of course, always knowing that I really love doing the podcast. I've really grown to love this medium. I get to provide so much information and education to so many people. I get to talk to some of the most interesting people who are doing some of the most impactful work on this planet in all different fields, many of whom I reached out to <laughs> for counsel. This whole thing, yeah. because they're all in the, <laughs> a lot of them are in the integrative space. But um, that was really how I kind of went through and, and decided what to do and what not to do. I mean, you know, take my book, I'm writing my second book. I'm turning it in now in November. It was due in February. And I really had to, I struggled with that. Like I, you know, going yeah. to my editor and my publisher, who they were, they were like, are you kidding? You take care of your health. Do what you need to do. This will wait. We will, we will publish it. They were so incredibly gracious and so wonderful. They've been so supportive that I really was like, you know, if they are not okay with it, when I was asking for the extension, I was willing to say, I can't do it. And not because I don't want to do it. I, I would be, I was going to be heartbroken if I couldn't, but I knew what I, you know, that felt really constricted to me. So I use that measure all the time and I tell people to do that. And I can't, you know, I can't take credit for that. It's actually a tool that I've learned from my husband, Kanwar, because he uses that a lot. And he taught me that and he really kind of has shown me how that works so well. And it's something that I've really used a lot, especially the last 10 years or so. So I love I love that answer. And there's so many pieces of what you just said that I, I want to sort of dig into. The, the first thing I'll say is that I think it's really true that listening to your body's response, I'm the kind of person who, who will sort of quibble over very small decisions and have a hard time with small decisions. But when it comes to big decisions that I've made in my life, I often make them very quickly. I'll make a leap very quickly because with a big decision, I have so much information in my body that tells me how I feel about something. It makes it very clear. I love that that measurement, you know, that way of checking in with yourself to see what's a priority. Um, I also, let's see if I can find the thread of it, uh, something that you just said. Oh, so in that conversation with your publisher of saying, 
this is what my boundary is, right? This is where I am. This is what I need. That either works for you or it doesn't. That's something I have seen, I think, play out for you in these months over and over again with various sort of people that we've worked with where you have said, and this is, I mean, this is something you and I have talked about all along in our working relationship is that your health comes first, always. Your mental health, your physical health, it is always a priority. And when you have gone to other people and said, here's what's happening, everyone we're working with is reflecting that priority back to you of your health is the most important. Your well-being is the most important. Deadlines can wait. And it's so, and I really want to highlight that because I think it's so contrary to the overall message that we hear in the United States, which is that productivity is the most important thing, that deadlines are, you know, are the master of everything we do. And that is just not, it's not how you and I have ever really operated. And I think this last year, we have really seen that play out and it hasn't or this is how I feel about it, hasn't hurt what we've what we've done. If anything, really aligning to that and sticking with that has bolstered and supported everything that you've been doing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that you're right. And I think, you know, this is again not to say that deadlines aren't important. And, you know, a lot of people might be listening to this thinking, well, work for yourself so you can make the deadlines and shift the deadlines, which is absolutely a hundred percent true. And I have had some deadlines that are hard and fast or that need to get done. We've definitely had those. And what I've done is asked for help. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Like I've asked for help and I've also ditched the perfection. You know, good enough is good enough. I've, I've really embraced that in a way that I have never been able to embrace in my entire effing life because I am such a perfectionist. Um, and I've really, really come to realize that I, I need to, I want to let go of that perfectionism, ask for help, do the best I can. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be, you know, perfect all the time, whatever that measure, there's no such thing even. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. You know, over the past seven months, I've been asked by so many people what I've been doing to really help myself through this difficult journey of a breast cancer diagnosis. And while I credit so much of my healing to Western medical treatments of chemotherapy, surgery, and radiation, and also to the integration of using food as medicine, acupuncture, meditation, and time in nature, there's another tool that I know has been absolutely critical, and that's therapy. Because sorting through all of the emotions that come with cancer treatment, all the fears, the worries, the anxiety, and the sadness and the loneliness, sorting through all of this with a therapist who is there to listen to me has given me the space to really process these challenges and gain new insight and perspective on everything that has happened. To be honest, therapy has been a really, really important tool for me on my healing journey this past year with breast cancer. And I know that therapy has helped me in so many different times of my life when I've been faced with other challenges. Therapy has always helped me get through these difficult times. That's why I'm so glad that BetterHelp, an online therapy platform, exists. 
With over 30,000 licensed, accredited, and board-certified therapists, BetterHelp makes it easy to find a therapist who meets your unique needs. Whether you're in a stressful job, in a difficult relationship, becoming a new parent, experiencing anxiety or deep grief, or navigating a difficult diagnosis. Not only is BetterHelp affordable, but when you sign up, BetterHelp will quickly match you with a therapist within a few days. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com Avanti today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Avanti. And how has that played out for you? you know, in this, in this year? I mean, so you've made that decision. That's something that you want to do. Are there moments or examples you can share of things that you've let go of where you, you know, you can say, yeah, it's okay that that didn't, I wasn't totally in that or, you know, a plus at the top of my game to get this thing done. Can you love to hear a story just because I know this is something a lot Mm -hmm. of people struggle with. Oh, I think for me, the perfectionism really shows up in how I present myself to the world, right? Uh, I'm a South Asian woman in medicine, in a now in the sort of wellness world that is quite dominated by white men and white women. And so I have always felt that I have to show up 120% perfect to be able to measure up to that. And while that may be true to a certain extent, you know, the way I speak, the way I dress, how intelligent I sound, the fact that I'm researching every little bit that I can about every podcast guest I have so that I can ask them really intelligent questions. I think I've also learned that it's okay to not be perfect all the time, to not always be completely put together to, and that, that makes me more human in a lot of ways. And it's been a hard lesson actually, especially in the work where you're on video, when you're on audio, when you're speaking in front of hundreds and thousands of people, right? You want to show a certain image of yourself. And again, I've kind of been raised to think about that because of the color of my skin and my background and all that kind of stuff, being a woman, all those things. But I think for me, it's the perfectionism, letting go of that. I think for me, it's letting go of having to show up 150% perfect all the time and just being more me. And I think it comes back to sort of what we were talking about before, about the loneliness, about you know what's been healing in me. It is showing up more as me. And part of me is a perfectionist. Part of me is the person who's always put together. But part of me also is the person who's going to be crumbled on the floor in the fetal position, you know, sobbing because my body just got a diagnosis of cancer, right? Because I just went through chemotherapy and I can't get up out of bed for four months, you know, whatever it is. I've really, really embraced not trying to be perfect. Hmm. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's definitely, it's a piece that I, I feel I have watched you wrestle with throughout this and, and really always, right? But it just was thrown into sharp relief um, in this year. And, you know, and as we're working and figuring things out and getting things published and posted, you know, 
trying to maintain deadlines or shifting deadlines, you know, it's, it's been a constant back and forth to say like, okay, no, that's not happening today because you need to rest or I need to rest. You know, like I've had things this year where I've been like, okay, no, I mean, earlier this year I said, I need to take time off and I need it to be two weeks and I need to not do anything that could even be remotely construed as work. And I didn't, you know, and we just, we made that happen and we asked for help and, you know, I just, so I'm learning that lesson along with you. I appreciate you sharing that, asking selfishly for me. And because I suspect that there'll be people among our listeners who also struggle with that kind of perfectionism. So, so thank you. I want to kind of shift us now to, you know, we talk so much in Ayurveda about these daily routines, right? The habits that you have to support your health, seasonal routines. And I'd like to ask you about how those, how you've used those practices, those routines, those habits that you have, the things that you teach about, right? How you've used those throughout your treatment um, and what, if anything about them had to shift as a result of going through treatment. So it's, it's a really good question because, you know, as I've shared, the fatigue was real. I mean, I, I have never been this fatigued and I'm still working with the fatigue, but it's not as bad as it was during chemotherapy. The first you know, four months of treatment. Um, I sort of thought through, you know, what are the things that I can do right now? And what are the things I'm going to have to let go of? And what I found was that I had the most energy in the morning when I woke up after sleeping. Even if I had to wake up later, you know, I was waking up at eight, nine o'clock and things I've never done in my life. Uh, I kept my morning routine. And, and a lot of it was also because it was, you know, linked to other things I was going to do anyway, brushing my teeth so I'd clean my tongue and do my neti pot and clean my eyes. All of those toxin removal types of things that we've talked about in the morning, I really stuck to those because I had the energy to do it. And I think somewhere back in the back of my mind, I felt like, okay, I'm doing something to help remove some of this toxic load from the chemotherapy that I'm getting, you know, from the medicines I'm taking, all these things that are very, very strong medications and drugs to kill a cancer, right? But I wanted to help remove toxins. And so I did a lot of things that I felt were more detoxifying. So toxin removal in the morning, drinking tons and tons of water, trying to eat foods that were detoxifying, right? Whatever foods that, you know, we can go into that in a different episode, but, you know, trying to do some of those practices, I really tried to get some movement in. There were days, honestly, where there was no way I could go outside for a walk, especially when it got warmer, because I was already so heated up from my chemotherapy. So just trying to go up the stairs in my house, I live in a three flat. I mean, there were days where, I mean, it was a struggle to get up the stairs and that was my exercise. And so I think maybe what I'm trying to say is that I kept all of these Ayurvedic practices and principles in mind. You know, the like increases like and opposites reduce. I really kept that in mind when I was choosing what foods to eat, what things to do, whether I was going to go outside or not, right? Because chemotherapy is so heating and I needed to keep myself in balance. That's what I did. So whether it was watching something funny on TV so I could let off some steam and some let off some anger and some frustration of having to go through this, or it meant having sliced cucumbers and water, and mint, you know, to cool my body off or meant 
not going outside for a walk because it was, you know, 80 degrees and 80% humidity in Chicago, whatever, right? Giving myself that grace, I think, was the practice for me. That really, I mean, I'm having an aha as I'm talking to you. Giving myself the grace to not do all the things was actually my practice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hearing that in what you're saying too. So there are these routines and remedies and practices. You applied your knowledge. This like increases like opposites reduce, which is something you talk about a lot. Applying those in the moment, but allowing that to be really flexible to prioritize what you can do and to listen. Again, it's listening to your body and to your mind about what's possible and not doing something just because I think movement's a great example. You know, in the United States, I think we have such a, a harsh view of exercise. It's, you know, it's something that we have to do. Maybe this is, I'm revealing my own mindset about exercise here. Um, you know, something like I have to do. And I've had an injury a lot of this summer, as you know, and I've struggled with how to balance movement while having a foot injury. But that it is, it's adaptation. So to rely on your knowledge of the routines and practices and remedies, and then to to adapt them to your life as it is. So it's not prescriptive. It's not every day you need to check off this box. It is, I need to listen to myself, be in relationship with myself to apply health supporting habits. It comes back to awareness, right? And being aware of what is going on with you and then making choices based on that. Now I will say, you know, I really got into the mindset of like excuses are bullshit. And I talked about this on my solo episode a few weeks ago. Like that was one of the big learnings is that I have a lot of excuses and there are a lot of bullshit. And that can be true when it comes to health also, right? And so making excuses to not do routines, right? Because the other thing that, you know, I, and I'll say this again, I'm going to be saying this all the time is that I, the biggest lesson that I learned during the seven months is that Ayurveda is protective of your health. And so when you do those routines and practice those principles and do the practices on a regular basis, this is not a every now and then, but as much as you can, it makes a difference. It protects your health. And so I know what I'm saying might sound kind of contradictory in a way, but I think what the point is, is that be aware of what's going on with you. Give yourself the grace that if you're sick, you're not going to be able to do some of these things. But then after that, don't make excuses for yourself because that's all bullshit, right? Say to yourself, now I'll give myself as an example. I just finished radiation a few days ago. I have no excuses. Yes, I'm tired, but I'm not so tired that I can't go for a walk around the park in front of my house a few times. It's cooler weather. I'm not making any excuses for myself because I know the benefits of walking for so many reasons, being out, getting some prana, getting some movement, getting that morning sun in my eyes to reset my circadian rhythm, right? I know all the reasons this is good for me, so no excuses, right? But also give yourself grace. Be aware of what's really going on for you. And maybe it's also becoming aware of which things are excuses and bullshit and which things are like really real issues you need to deal with. Yeah. Well, I think what I'm hearing too is that that awareness helps you sort that out. And it goes back to what you were talking about, about priorities and aligning with your priorities. So if your priority is your health, what does that mean in each moment? What does that mean for each of those routines? And and when you're aware, you can sort out and discover what those barriers are, you know, like for me, a barrier is often 
ADHD, which I didn't know until two years ago. And so I think in the last two years, I've spent a lot of time sorting out like, is this a natural barrier that I have? And what are the ways around it if this is something I care about, whether that comes to my work, my eating habits, you know, my routines, getting outside, what does that look like? But when I'm in conversation with myself, I'm going to discover that. Whereas if I just, yeah, make excuses and don't pay attention, I'm not going to learn that information. I'll come to that realization. Yeah. So my practice was the awareness, right? It's, It's that. And I think that actually that's the whole point of Ayurveda is awareness. That is the practice. All the other stuff will come, but that is the practice is awareness, living with awareness alignment, you know, even, you know, choosing what you're eating, knowing why you're putting something into your body, because is it a craving? Is it something that your body needs? And and there's nothing wrong with satisfying a craving, but just know that that's what you're doing. Right. So. Right. It's no shame, just information, right? Just awareness. So I also want to ask, I mean, I I think we've touched on this throughout this conversation, particularly as we talk about grace and, you know, being in community, letting people help you, relying on people. But I'd love to hear about how you have really supported your mental health. We talk a lot about mental health on the podcast. You've interviewed a lot of mental health professionals and sort of various degrees of that, whether it's nutrition or, you know, What has that looked like for you throughout this? (laughs) So I will be very honest that I didn't do a lot for my mental health at first. It was sort of just like survival. Uh, You know, I've been in therapy on and off for many years throughout my life, throughout my adult life, really. And my therapist, actually, who I loved, who I was working with about three years ago, she moved to another city to do a fellowship. And so it was a convenient bullshit excuse. Oh, she's moved away. Can't find anyone as good as her. I don't need to do therapy, right? Convenient bullshit excuse. And somewhere in April, after I had done about three cycles of chemotherapy and I was just, I was really, really having a hard time. I realized also because my family was saying to me like, mom, you need therapy. Uh, my husband would say, Avanti, you really need, you need, you need to have someone to talk to besides us. Right. And so I did connect with that same therapist. She actually moved back. <laughs> and so I was able to pick up with her. Now that's not the moral of the story. The moral of the story is that I realized that I needed to have an outlet to help my mental health, right? A place to talk. I started journaling you know, a lot to help with my mental health, like doing morning pages or doing journal entries, writing. I would do voice memos to myself sometimes of like all the feelings I was feeling and what happened and things like that. I had to find ways to really deal with the feelings that I was having and all the thoughts I was having. And I think another thing that I really learned, and I shared this again on my solo episode a few weeks ago, is that your body really can help you in the sense of if you can move your body, if you can interrupt the thoughts with movement of some kind. And for me, at times it was just shaking my hands. That's all I could do because I was so exhausted. I knew going up and down the stairs would be too tiring. I just shake and that would help interrupt some of the thoughts and the mental chatter. And so I, you know, I tried to get into my body and out of my mind, which I've struggled 
such a thinker and such a logical thinker and such a brainy sort of mind sort of person that I really had to shift into that. But really, you know, getting therapy, getting into therapy was a huge, huge uh, benefit for me and something that I think is really important for all of us. I agree with you. I Therapy has been really important for me and is something that I wish that I had done earlier in my life. You know, I sort of knew that I would benefit from therapy, put it off, was really busy in a lot of ways, like had the, had the excuse, right. Of I'm, I'm busy. Where am I going to fit this in my life? Also, like you mentioned, I mean, it's, it's hard to find a therapist. Um, and I didn't, I didn't really address that need until a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago now, where I started having like flashbacks to a, a really difficult time in my life, you know, memories that I didn't know I'd sort of shut out. And I thought, oh gosh, like <laughs> I need to be talking to someone. And I, I was really grateful sort of to live in this internet age and to have resources like BetterHelp, which is how I actually connected to therapy is I just, you know, I filled out the questionnaire and they connected me to someone in two days and I was you know, I was getting help and support and I've, I've stayed in therapy since then. And it has been such a benefit. And it's great to have the the weeks where I come in and I'm excited and have a lot to share that feels good and exciting. And then the hard weeks, I'm really glad that that outlet is already scheduled on my calendar that I don't have to, you know, to make that start again each time. I'm just, I'm so glad to have that ongoing person to listen and reflect things back to me. It's yeah. Really I, I feel like therapy is that place. It's that time that's just for you and nobody else. And just share whatever you want to share and not share whatever you don't want to share. And the insights that you'll get from a therapist also can really help. And I find that when I'm just talking, I have aha moments, many aha moments that I have on the podcast. I'll be like, oh, I, wait, you know, when I'm talking out loud to a therapist and I have these realizations that I'll scribble down on a piece of paper and really, really help me move, move through things. And so some of these issues with, you know, addressing loneliness, healing loneliness, healing perfection, these are things that I really brought into my conscious awareness through therapy. So that was a bit that helped my, my mental health a lot. A lot. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, therapy. That's good stuff. Highly recommend yeah. it. If, yeah. if you've been thinking about it <laughs> and you've been looking for a signal, take this as yeah, your signal. Yeah. It is yeah. it is worth the time and the investment to get that yeah. support. It really is. It's it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask a little bit too, and we've talked about sort of your routines, what shifted for you. I also wanted to see if there are any resources or particular products or anything that's just been helpful to you as you've navigated this journey. You know, I think, you know, not to say that we all need things like that things are going to solve, you know, what's going on in our lives, but, but sometimes it, you know, there are, there are things that are supportive, mm -hmm. right? Comforting, whatever that looks like for you. What, what does that look like? Yeah. So, you know, this is an interesting question and um, I, I will say that you know, I want to tell the listeners, I, I really mean it that I use the products that I talk about on this podcast, the things that, you know, we link in our newsletters or that I promote or whatever. I really believe in them and they really have helped me. And that's the reason I talk about them. So 
I know this might sound like I'm promoting something that, you know, oh, you know, she should, it. it's not that at all. It's actually products that I've used. And then I've been like, oh, I want to tell everybody about it. So I just want to put that out there. And you guys have heard me talk about some of these products before. Um, you know, things like the products I used for my morning routine, because that was something I really was hanging on to and, and, you know, really committed doing every morning. So whether it was, you know, a tongue scraper or my neti pot, sort of my nasal saline solutions or kit, which is by um, Neil Med, love that one. Um, Or my skincare products that really just made me feel good in the morning. Like I was doing something small to take care of myself, my Sahajan skincare products. You guys know I'm obsessed with those. And actually there's a few new ones that I've tried that people have sent to me, actually Ayurvedic products that a few like specific products. There's one by Jivana and they have one specific product that I really love. And it's a, it's a ghee, oh gosh, a ghee balm. I can't remember what it's called, but it's something with ghee in it. And it is unbelievable. Really, really nice product when my skin has been really dry. Ruth, do you know the name? We'll, we'll find the exact name. I don't know it, but we'll find it and we'll put it in the show notes so yeah. people can look it up. Um, I don't know if I've already talked about that one before. It's a newer one. So that one was really great. So those are some of the skincare products I was using. You know, Sahajan, you guys know about this one by Jivana. It's just the ghee balm that I love by them. Uh, and then the other products as far as like food products, I was using AG1 Athletic Greens. I'm a big fan. I was taking those even before. And then I read some research and have read some studies where AG1 was actually incorporated into the fasting mimicking diets for chemotherapy specifically. You guys will hear about the fasting mimicking diet for chemotherapy on the other episodes this month with Dr. Shelley and with Dr. Nesha. So I was doing fasting mimicking around the days of my chemotherapy cycles. And so AG1 was really, really helpful for that, along with other foods that I was having. But I actually was having AG1 every day. I have been. And it's really helped me. Huge fan of their their products. Really, really pure product. Really great product. Uh, The other things I will tell you because I didn't have a lot of energy to cook. So my husband, Kanwar, was sort of in charge of that. If you know, And all my friends were dropping off meals and things, but I made it really easy for him. Again, I had Vivia's Kitchery packets and Vivia's Mung Dal, or I think she calls it Mung Soup packets. Those were a favorite for me because I also had my taste buds were really, really screwed up. Like everything tasted like metallic or I didn't have any taste. So I found Indian food and Mexican food, those flavors, I could at least taste a little bit something. So having those those packets that were ready in 20 minutes for my husband and just adding water and some ghee, like it was a, a lifesaver for him. So, and, and I really enjoyed those. So that was one of the things I used. Those are kind of the big ones that I can think of. Mm, yeah, those are the big ones. Those are great. Those are, I mean, again, like we've heard some of these before, but I think what I want to emphasize for people here is a little bit of that keeping what's familiar, right? Like these things that were already health supportive, both in terms of products and habits and routines. These are things that you were already using, but to really lean into 
these pieces that you know are supporting your health and, you know, to some degree, maybe bring comfort as well, like Divya's, you know, so it's something reliable that you don't have to think about. That's something I think about with food a lot right now. I've had this injury and I've been in a boot and I'm not supposed to put a ton of weight on my foot. And so easy meals, something that I know I can put together really quickly. I don't have to be standing or I can sit to do the prep work for. And I'm short too. So like prep work can be difficult depending on the surface anyway. So, you know, that has been something that's been helpful for me just in this physical health challenge. So I want to emphasize that for listeners too, that, you know, those, those are really important. Those routines mm-hmm. are really important. Yeah. They really do help you feel normal. And have, you know, again, like we've talked about before, routines help to regulate your nervous system, right? Your body knows, your mind knows what's coming. It has some regularity. It can sort of like, it's a touch point for yourself, you know? Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. That can really help with how you feel mentally, emotionally, how you feel in your physical body. So that's why routines are so important. And, you know, if you're dealing with an acute illness like I was, or a chronic illness even, sometimes when you don't have routine, it can just throw you out of whack. I mean, just think about traveling, right? When we travel, I love to travel, but you go to a different time zone, even if it's an hour difference. Like I'm getting ready to go to New York next week for a family wedding. I know that my routines are going to be all upside down because I'm going to be with my family. I'm going to be with my sister, my kids, right? There's going to be lots lots of stuff going on. But I'm going to try and keep some routines throughout that time just to help regulate my nervous system, to help me feel that safety and security. So anyway, went off on a tangent about routines. <laughs> no, I actually, I think that's so, I think that's so important though, because that is so much the heart of what we talk about. And the reality is, right, is that our lives are changing all the time. We are, whether it's because of illness or we have people visiting or, you know, there's a big project at work or whatever it is, right? That nothing is static. I think that's the illusion that we have. And certainly something that I have learned with having ADHD is I both, I really need routines and I'm also sometimes extremely resistant Mm -hmm. to them. So finding those sort of core essential pieces that can carry me through, that can be familiar, that can help me regulate have been so important. So I actually think that's a critical piece Mm -hmm. to highlight that, you know, those those things can really carry you yeah. through toughest yeah. times and keep you regulated. Yeah, they've helped me a lot. So I want to also ask you about sort of, again, to zoom back out to the big picture, I know that a lot has been shifting for you in your mindset about your work, about your beliefs, right? We've talked about a lot of that already, you personally. What sort of what's going to be different yeah. for you? going forward? Is there, you know, is there a different perspective that you're going to be bringing both to yourself, your life, but also this podcast sort of what, what might listeners expect to change as you really integrate everything that's happened this year? Yeah. I mean, you know, I talked about this on my solo and I mentioned a few times already, and I think the biggest thing that will change is based on my own personal experience and the realizations I've had over the past seven months, which is that Ayurveda, the practices, the principles of Ayurveda are protective. They're protective of your health. It's not a faraway thing. Yes. Will they contribute to your longevity and be preventative? Absolutely. But I think the key, which I didn't really understand so well before, and I've been able to put into words, is that Ayurveda is 
protective of your health. And what I mean by that, again, is that if you are faced with an acute illness, a chronic illness, right, it is going to help you along the way in ways that you can't even imagine. And for me personally, what I have seen is that my response to all the medications, all the chemotherapy, the radiation, my recovery from surgery has been smoother because I was protecting my health. My, uh, As you'll hear you know, Dr. Nesha say on the episode with her, I was creating a terrain within me and around me that was going to be healthier and more resilient when I had to deal with an acute diagnosis of cancer. That's what Ayurveda does. It creates this environment inside of you and around you that just makes you more resilient. And I, I, I can tell you guys that that was the biggest light bulb that went off for me. So from a perspective change, yeah, it's going to be part of what I'm talking about because it has shifted over, like ever so slightly. My, my perspective has shifted from Ayurveda being preventative to Ayurveda being protective. And they are, it's a very nuanced thing, but it's a very important point because, you know, one of the biggest things I've, I've had to deal with, a challenge of teaching about Ayurveda, about, you know, talking about how Ayurveda can help you regain your health and take control of your health is people many times are like, oh, well, that's in the future. You know, oh yeah, it's far away from yes. now, right? Yes. And no, I think I found the words to explain to people that no, actually it helps you right now. It'll help you tomorrow. It's now. It'll help yeah. you in the next few months in ways that you can't even ex like predict. It will help you. And that's, that yes. is the power of Ayurveda. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, again, will it help you in the long run and help you with longevity, with having a better health span? And, you know, I'm writing about this in my next book. That's what it's about is longevity through an Ayurvedic lens? Absolutely. And it will help you in the moment too. Yes. So that's that's probably the biggest I really like that. I think that's, I mean, it sounds so small, the difference between preventative and protective, but I think what's coming up for me as you're saying that is that when I talk about something being protective and I think about protection, that is saying that whatever I have right now matters. And yes, Ayurveda will help me improve that, right? That that I can improve things, but that there is something to protect right now. I think about this in terms of the injury I have. Part of how this happened was I was working on moving more, right? Because like many people during the pandemic, working from home, I used to commute downtown. I walked all over the city. I'm not doing that anymore. So I was working on on moving, right? I get this injury, going to physical therapy aggravates the injury. And I'm in this position where my legs are not strong enough. I don't have enough of the, the muscle support and the muscle strength to really handle this injury to the best of my ability. So I'm having complications from wearing the boot that I wouldn't have had if I'd had these other things protected, right? And, and I can do something about that now, right? I can protect what I have now. Any any starting point is a worthy starting point, and I don't have to wait for the future, or to think that it's going to start tomorrow or next week, or you know, or the new year, which is something we'll we'll talk about when we we get to that point in the year. But this idea that you're just going to turn around 
and solve everything. This is a a much, I think, healthier perspective and approach to, no, you have things you can protect now about your well-being. So let's start from there and build. I mean, and science has proven this also, right? I mean, when you, let's talk about the gut microbiome. It's a simple one. You can actually change your gut microbiome in 24 to 48 hours, 72 hours, right? That's how fast things can change by making different choices of what you're putting into your body. You literally can start to change the microbiome. Mm. So it is protecting what you have right now. So this idea that you, that Ayurveda somehow is only for the long run and it's not, you know, it's not a quick fix that saying that at all, but it is protective. It's going yeah. to sell, it starts to protect you. That's kind of what I'm trying to say. So, yeah. Yeah. I really love that. Well, we're coming close to our time and I want to kind of flip your normal script back onto you. When you interview people, you have speed round questions at the end. And as I was preparing to have this conversation with you, I thought actually it would be great to hear your answers to these questions. One, I don't know if you've ever answered them on the podcast. And two, I suspect some of these answers might have changed even if you have. So I'm going to, I'm going to run through those with you listeners. You know the drill here. You've heard these before. Avanti, complete the sentence. Wellness is? Ayurveda, because it, it's protective. It's, it's everything. It's wellness. Yeah. Wellness is Ayurveda. Mm. What's something that people often get wrong about you? <laughs> they think that because I teach this stuff, I do it all perfectly. And again, this goes back to that perfection thing. Yeah. They think that I have the perfect routines and the perfect diet and the perfect movement. So not true. I, I'm human like all of us. I struggle with it every day. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. Mm. And what's something that most people don't know about you? Oh, I don't know. I was a ballet dancer when I was a kid. <laughs> Uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have no idea. I was an art history major in college. So I studied art, not medicine. I mean, it was pre-med, but yeah, most people would never think that of me. I don't know. That's, I can't think of that. That's a hard one. God, these are hard questions that I ask. This is a tough <laughs> one. <laughs> like I said, yeah, flipping the script on you a little. Huh. Um, <laughs> what's one thing you're excited about right now? Being done with my treatment. I'm so happy. So happy. I'm really <laughs> excited to go be with my family, my extended family from all over the world for a family wedding mm. next week. I'm excited to go travel in the next few months. And that's a lot of things. I know it's not one thing, but, and I'm excited to my book. That's okay. You know, I'm almost done writing it. Yeah. I'm so excited for that. And I got a publishing date, December 17th of 2024. Ooh. So it's coming. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about that. Mm-hmm. It's coming. I'm so glad. And it is okay to share more than one thing. <laughs> you know, I think to hear your joy yeah. and your excitement is actually just really yeah. wonderful. Um, what's something that you're grateful, you're deeply grateful about right now? My health, my, mm-hmm. my care team, you know, all the physicians and, you know, everybody who's taking care of me through this process, uh, they've been incredible. They've been absolutely incredible. So I'm mm-hmm. really, really grateful for all of them. Yeah. I'm so glad you've had that support. Uh, what book is on your nightstand right now? 
Actually, it's down here in my office now because it wasn't my nightstand. I'm going to pick it up one second. <laughs> it's this book called Unfuck Yourself. Get out of your head and into your life. Ah. Um, I've never read it before and I just found it so useful uh, just to reset mm. my mindset. So that's on my on my uh, nightstand. <laughs> I love it. What's a song that you're listening to on repeat right now? Boy. I'm really afraid to like, this is like so stupid. I don't even know why I like it. I've been listening to Taylor Swift songs, <laughs> Taylor Swift songs. I have no idea. I've never liked her before, but like, I don't know, all her songs are on repeat. Yeah. Go figure. <laughs> I love it. You know, mm -hmm. it happens. Look, you don't have to be a Swifty to admire yeah, the music, I to enjoy it. To admire the woman. I'm not a Swifty, but I've been listening to her music a lot in the past few months. I have no idea why. Maybe because of my daughter. I don't know. Yeah. Swifty and stuff. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> and then if I offer up the phrase to catalyze healing, what comes up for you? Become aware. Mm. Become aware of yourself get in touch with yourself, become aware of why you're making the choices you're making, why you're doing the things you're doing, why you're not doing the things you're doing, how things make you feel, you know, whether it's what you put in your mouth or the people you surround yourself with or the work that you're doing, become aware. And that'll change your life. Mm. That's so good. I love that. Well, those are those are your speed round questions, Vanti. I am so glad that we've had this conversation. I feel like I have learned a lot and have gotten insight also into some of the behind the scenes that even I, you know, we talk a lot, but you know, there's more than what I knew. So thank you for doing this with me and bringing me back yeah. on. Well, thank you so much, Ruth, for doing this with me. I appreciate you so much. Thanks again for listening to The Healing Catalyst. If you love what you heard, please hit follow and pass it along to a friend. And if you're feeling really inspired, please rate and review so that others can find this podcast more easily. To learn more, head to avantikumarsingh.com. And to connect with me directly, find me on Instagram at avantikumarsingh. I'll be back next week and hope that you will be too. Until then, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing because healing starts within.